Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast Salon, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online with their new online store at ForecastSalon.com and check out their latest and innovative styling at Club Forecast Salon on Instagram. As this podcast goes to air, we've just moved through the new moon in Leo, a time for setting big intentions with the courage of a lion. Leo energy teaches you to show up courageously, even in the face of fear. As you expand your consciousness through all the light codes that came in from the lion's gate, you have the opportunity to break free of old patterns that have been with you for many generations. This is not a time to play small or hide your ambitions. It's a time to commit to a vision of your life that corresponds with your highest potential. It's a time to find your own sovereignty and create the sacred home within you and around you, which is the subject of today's podcast. Finding time for you is the place to begin. Noticing your connection to Mother Earth reflects the connection you have with yourself. Are you too busy? Are you taking time for you? Are you honoring your place to create a beautiful sacred home for yourself and your family? Or do you keep these practices secret? Or maybe you don't even have any personal spiritual practices. Ready to connect with this part of you, learn some spiritual tools and techniques, tune into your intuition, schedule a spiritual makeover call with me, and let's talk about how you can honor the sacredness within you. Links are in the show notes. In today's episode, I wanted to bring forward this idea of sovereignty and of the divine feminine and how it begins with you. Taking care and nurturing yourself is where it begins. I know, in our fast-paced society, we can get caught on the treadmill of life and start begrudging the very things that are so important, like taking care of our home, our cooking, our cleaning. Many times we start to resent these rituals and only see them as chores, and then we lose touch with the qualities that a home really needs. I've been a single mother for most of my children's life. There were some early years they don't really remember, and I was fortunate to have the time with them in those formative years. But once I started school, I found myself going through a divorce. The divorce is what led me to find a spiritual teacher. Nothing else was working to calm the mind, the fears, and the anxiety of what I was going through. Once I started working with my teacher, I learned ways to create a sacred home for myself and my children. It added a new level of calm and peace to a home that had been torn apart. This did make a difference in the values I was bringing to my children. I was creating a sacred space for them to grow. Yeah, I do feel the emotions coming up for that. They both got married, and after seeing the love and the joy that they had with their partners, I know it was worth it. 
And this is what the divine feminine is all about. The nurturing, the rituals, the sacredness of our homes all around us and within us. Motherhood is an important job, which includes mothering yourself for both women and men. Men need the mothering of self too. In this episode, I wanted to take you back to a time that is mystical and held these beliefs in high esteem so that we can bring them forward into our modern day existence. My guest is Jenna Tellyrood. Her latest book, and she's written many, is The Ninefold Way of Avalon, a path of priestessing that acknowledges and encourages the full spectrum of our spiritual gifts. In this episode, we talk about King Arthur, the women of Avalon, the myths, the goddess spirituality, the relationship we have with our world, seeking the mother energy, the divine feminine, culture as a reflection of spirit, sovereignty, and ways to be in sacred service with ourselves. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pause, center, and set an intention for where you are right now. So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes. Taking a nice deep inhale, breathing up the body. And as you exhale, bring all that breath all the way down. Call all your energy into you. Taking another deep inhale, breathing up the body. And exhale, breathing all the way down. Call in your spirit. Feel the spiritual body ride on top of the physical body, aligning, centering. Inhaling, breathing up the body. And as you exhale, dropping right into the very center of your heart, right into the deepest part. Feel that connection of your spirit and the greater spirit. Know that you are known, know that you are loved, supported, protected feeling all this energy coming in around you. As we call in the masters, the teachers, the archangels, calling in all the beautiful goddesses and warriors of the divine feminine that have come before us, calling in our own spirit guides, taking another deep inhale and exhale as you feel all this energy around you, taking a moment, noticing where you are on this great wheel of life, Here I am, we find ourselves coming into that late part of summer. Notice what is growing. Where are you finding amusement in your life? Do you have patience with yourself? Can you feel that wild divine woman opening up to your life? We call in the directions for guidance and protection to the south, the west, the north and the east above you, below you, right into the very center. Taking a moment and noticing these intentions for where you are right now. See and hear and feel and know. And then allow the elevated emotions of how you want to feel as these intentions come in. Let it radiate out all around you. Setting that energy, 
Taking another deep inhale, breathing up the body. And exhale, breathing all the way down, grounding, centering. Taking another deep inhale right from the womb, breathing into the heart. And as you exhale right through the solar plexus, allowing yourself to know you are connected to source. Inhaling. And exhaling, shining your light all around you, focusing that third eye, grounding. And as you're ready, blinking the eyes back open, coming back. Jenna Tellenrood is an author, educator, and priestess who has devoted her life to exploring the spiritual and mythical traditions of Wales in the Iron Age Celtic tribes of Britain and Gaul. A formerly trained Celticist, Jenna holds an MA in Celtic Studies from the University of Wales as well as a BA in Archaeology from Stony Brook University. She founded the Sisterhood of Avalon in 1995 and serves as Academic Dean of the Avalonian Theological Seminary. Jenna holds residential training retreats around North America and the UK, presents internationally at conferences and festivals, teaches online workshops and immersion programs, and facilitates pilgrimage to sacred sites in the British Isles and Ireland through the Mythic Seeker Tours. She performs rites of passages in her community, is in service as a transpersonal tarot counselor and teacher, and is certified amicus mortis, friend of death, through the Angela C. Druid Order. A priestess in the Avalonian tradition for over 35 years, Jenna has been following a pagan path since 1986. So let us welcome Jenna to the show. Welcome, Jenna. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so excited to talk to you. I really have not talked about this topic on the show. So I am so excited. You have such an amazing background experience, written so many things, have oracle cards, the whole bit. And the whole idea of Avalon is such a mystery. It's such a beautiful thing. And I think as I mentioned before we started, really, it's like the the whole that whole movie in the book, The Mist of Avalon, it just is such fascination. And of course, the King Arthur energy as well. Yeah. So welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk to you. Really excited to be here. Great thing to talk about with you. Let's tell our listeners a little bit. What is your background and what led you to this study and this belief and process? Well, it's fun that you said something about King Arthur, because I think he was my portal of entry into all of this. I was a very precocious young uh, young child. At 13, I was devouring Arthurian novels. And The Mist of Avalon, you mentioned, you know, it came in the mail to me. I was in the science fiction book club, didn't send back the thing. This giant tome, you know, it was a very large novel. And, you know, I was young, but I was like, you know, I love Arthur. I'm going to keep it. And I did. And it really changed my life. And it kind of set me down this lifelong path of trying to find Avalon. So, you know, I discovered, uh, 
goddess spirituality when I was 16 and I dedicated and I was in a couple of different groups. Um, I did archaeology in undergrad. I focused on Celtic studies and that I wound up eventually getting my master's degree in Celtic studies from the University of Wales, really into Welsh culture. Um, and yeah, it's been about 35 years that I've been on this path. And I wound up along the way inadvertently founding the Sisterhood of Avalon in 1995, um, put up a website trying to find other women who loved Avalon. And then what wound up happening was people were like, we want to learn more from you. And I wasn't anticipating that happening, but that is what happened. And today it's a, a really vibrant community. We'll be 25, no, 30 years next year uh, in, tw in 2025. And um, we have membership from all over the world. We have training programs. We do pilgrimages. We do festivals. We do online conferences and just connecting women who have a love for this vision of a community of women who are centered on the divine feminine and who are supportive and empowering of each other and the quest for sovereignty. And that's really, in a nutshell, all of the things. So wow. would you say there's like a new interest coming back around now uh, in goddess spirituality or Avalon or? Well, I think when Avalon from the goddess spirituality, from the idea of the divine feminine rising, more people searching. I think so. I think that um, I think for a lot of people, especially in the 80s and 90s, The Mist of Avalon was really the book, kind of the portal of entry uh, into paganism for a lot of people, not even necessarily about Avalon. But I do think that there is a centering piece around, you know, I always feel like that, uh, you know, the relationship that we have with our planet is a reflection of our culture and vice versa, you know, having studied culture and those things. And I think that uh, we have been in an imbalanced relationship with our world. And then I think that people are seeking to kind of fix that balance. And in a lot of ways that manifests in seeking, you know, the mother, seeking the divine feminine, seeking ways of being in more respectful, balanced relationships with our planet and with ourselves. And so I think that's just an outgrowth of that piece uh, of, of women, especially, but men as well, seeking, uh, seeking the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, some of the work I do and working with energy and the whole quantum field, I think there is something to be said now about more and more people starting to really recognize it's not just what we see. Mm. Like there is a whole nother perspective. There is a whole nother parallel universe. And I think that can help us to really even get into deeper that whole idea of the myths and the the energy that Avalon mm. brings forward. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think so, especially since it is a it it is supposed to be an island of healing. And it is about the the numinous. It is about the hidden. It isn't in front of our faces. And and indeed, like most things, what is outside of ourselves can also be found within ourselves, which is why uh, I, you know, there are places on this planet that are strongly associated with Avalon. Glastonbury in the UK is one of those places, but not the only one, but a very strong place. But I also think that Avalon is within us. I think that because it resides in the Celtic other worlds, which, you know, can have its parallels in many different, you know, leaf systems, um, that the other world is also accessible through the within. And so that is kind of been my, since I don't live in Glastonbury, since I'm not British, uh, you know, it's been through the myth, it's been through the legend, it's been through the inner work, through the inner journey to find the holy island, through the unconscious. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think that there is a, there is a connection between those. I do. And I also think too, you know, like you had said too, at first it was like just the King Arthur energy, the portals. And then we started hearing about mm -hmm. the women and how powerful they were. And I think more and more, as you even see, or even experienced in your own work, how more and more people were interested and wanted mm -hmm. to learn. Yeah, I think it's great. 
for sure. Yeah. So now you have this whole brand new book published, The Ninefold Way of Avalon. What led you to writing this book now? Well, truly, this is the book I wish I had when I first went down the path of Avalon, because there, you know, one of the things that I've encountered a lot in my life and, you know, in the 30 plus years of working with the energies of Avalon is, you know, it's a literary place. It's something from legends. How are you patterning a, a, a spiritual path on something like that? And so what I've done here is really retraced the motifs because, you know, I must, I study culture. That's part of, you know, like just my formal training and just my, my personal interest. And culture is always a reflection of spirit. It's a reflection of, of relationship with the divine, with the world. And so culture carries with it, literature carries with it pieces of truth. Even if the story itself cannot be verified, even if it's, even if it is a legend, even if it's a, um, you know, a cautionary tale, what it carries along its stream are pieces of truth. And so there are motifs in the Avalon myth that have its precedent in history. It has the number nine shows up over and over again, especially in cloistered groups of women or, or, or women's groups in, um, you know, different, in different mythologies. And so to bring all of those pieces together to say, listen, you know, this, we receive the teachings of Avalon through the medium of literature, through the medium of lore. Uh, King Arthur himself, I'd like to call him the Borg of, uh, of, 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 of Western tradition, because in many ways, a lot of stories became attached to him. And we remember those stories, we remember those figures because they become associated with Arthurian tradition. And Avalon is the same, but there were islands of priestesses that the Romans talked about. There are these nine folds that we see over and over again in Celtic and in other lands. And it, it talks about the vessels of sovereignty, the, the precursor to the Grail mythos has its origins in Celtic tradition, specifically Brythonic and Welsh tradition. And so all of those are connected to Avalon. So I wanted to pull all of those different currents of the stream of tradition of Avalon together in one place to show where it all comes from, just so what we can learn from these tales. And then not just to have it because I, I did want it to be a, a resource for people to do the research and pull those things together. But also, how can that inform our practice? How can that, what does that teach us about how we can be in relationship with these places, with these guardians, with these goddesses and these gods? Um, and so that's that's what this this piece is about. Wow, that's beautiful. And I think there's so much is needed right now. Mm. I really do. Just Helping us to find that. And I love what you say about the culture, mm. right? Like at being that reflection of spirit or being that reflection of yourself. And also too, like, you know, like even if it is a myth and a legend, like you said, it, there are pieces of truth. There really are. You know, I work a lot with this, like with an intuition and past life energies. And it's like, well, how do I know I'm making it up? It's my imagination. But somewhere within you is that information. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I agree. And, and if I may just say the thing about story, especially in Celtic traditions, is that it's usually oral. It was oral for a long time before it was written down. And even even after being written down, not everybody read. So stories can change as a reflection of the needs of a people. And that's what makes it powerful. When we receive something that's thousands of years old, we know that it's really well charged because so many people have spoken those words, heard those words, passed those words along. And the stream, as I say, is it as uh, of tradition that you know goes through different cultural contexts different time periods it reflects the different needs of different people at different times and so to receive it today our work is what is what need is this fulfilling what what um what wisdom does it bring for this day in this context and how what does it reflect to me here and now yeah i love that yeah i love that i was just doing a meditation about shape-shifting and it's the same idea how can we use it now <laughs> what is it about yeah. that we can learn from it to help <laughs> us where we are right now? And I think like you just said, like 
all of these archetypes. I know I'm a tower reader. I know you've written some oracles, right? And that's what like one of the greatest storytellers mm-hmm. around, right? Storytelling around is to be able to tell the stories. And we mm-hmm. use these archetypes sure. like, oh, that's the King Arthur archetype or that's the goddess archetype. And this is what we're talking about. This is what we're drawing from. But I think too, in the same way, like when we get out of that logical brain, we come into the other side, the creative, the imaginative, it really opens up something deep inside of us. I agree. And I think the the reason for that is if if things are not relevant, they fall away. And things that remain relevant stay with us. And so I think the the symbol sets that remain to us through the stream of time are going to be really activated and really powerful and hold so much because they contain something that's relevant to so many. And they tell our universal story because they have persisted over time. Yeah, I so agree. Mm-hmm. I so agree. And now your book is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I commented right away, like, oh my God, the, you just did the type font and the way it's laid out. And it's just really written very well as well. And you do go into the nine energies explaining that pathway. Tell us a few of those. So uh, part of the piece for me is that, you know, today there are a lot of people who are in service as priestesses. And a lot of times we see priestesses as healers and as ritualists and as, you know, uh, people who facilitate rites of passage, who are, you know, engaged in divination. But I think there are many other ways of being in priestess service. And I talk about how I uh, came across these energies of nine. Oftentimes these women were described as being shapeshifters, being augurs, you know, um, uh, weather workers, controlling the sea, things of the, that nature. But um, but I think there are many ways for us today to be in service. And I think that includes the priestess scholar, the priestess activist, the, the, the priestess, um, the tender of the sacred hearth. One of those pieces that I think uh, ancient peoples uh, revered the hearth and those who, you know, who did tend it, you know, for example, in Rome, the, the Vestal Virgins were dedicated, these women, uh, for 30 years of their lives to keeping the flame of the country, of the, of the city of Rome and of the empire alight. And we have a lot of flame tending uh, practices in Celtic traditions as well. So I think there needs to be a reclamation and part of the sacred nature of tending hearth and home, of being, uh, you know, being the person that um, makes sure the safety of space and that everyone who comes to the hearth receives what they need, whether it's food, whether it's sustenance, whether it's community. And so just to kind of reframe ways of being in sacred service within the context of this nine. And, and sometimes they show up in ways that we wouldn't otherwise think about it, but it certainly has precedence in ancient times. So that's part of my thing. Uh, a lot of the Avalonian tradition is about finding sovereignty. And I define sovereignty as a fully conscious self-determination, right? Back in the day, sovereignty is what conferred uh, kingship to, you know, the candidate. Arthur's receiving of the sword can be seen as one of those, uh, an echo of the sovereignty myth. And today we're not giving, you know, ownership of the land away to anyone, but we're seeking sovereignty of the self. And so if we're trying to find out who we are, the authentic self, the the person we were meant to be, what our gifts are, also acknowledging where our fears are and working on healing those or carrying them as best as we can through our lives to be sovereign in that way. And then to try to fit our self in a whole or in a framework of service that isn't a reflection of who we really are never made sense to me. If I'm not someone who likes working with herbs, if I'm not a healer, if I don't want to get up and be, uh, you know, facilitating a ceremony, how can I be a priestess? But there are so many ways of being in service. And so that's part of what the book explores. Oh my gosh, I love that. The whole idea of really 
especially in our fast-paced society, I think we forget about this, but the whole idea of having that and creating that sacred hearth and home, mm-hmm. right? I think so many people are like, oh, I'm uh, yeah, working at home. I'm a mother. I'm just a mo-. like, right. whoa, wait a minute. Look at what you right. can do. Look at how holding that space is so important. I love that. I love that idea and being able to bring this concept in. It really does. It changes the whole concept of what we're here for. I mean, I know I, my kids are getting married, you know, and I see their love pouring out to me right now. I see how much that home that I created, and I was a single mom for most of their lives, right? Early from very early on. And I see how all that love came in for them and how important it was. And I think it's just an important aspect that we sometimes forget in today's society. So yeah, thank you for that analogy. And really that idea that it is such an important thing and having the ability to create that sacred space is so valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So what are your hopes for the book? Well, I do hope that it helps. I know that Avalon has had a lot of people drawn to it over the years. As I said, uh, for a lot of people, one of the reflections I've had for decades is how uh, reading The Mists of Avalon has been so transformational for them. And so this gives them, it empowers people to make authentic connections with the Holy Islands in a way that, um, that I haven't seen in other places. I mean, there are training programs. There are a lot of people in throughout the world who are um, inspired by Avalon and there are different, there's like the, there are temple trainings and things of that nature, but this, uh, and what I tried to do here is to give a step-by-step process for people to come into personal, authentic relationship. It's not about, you know, fulfilling a, uh, you know, check, doing a checklist of other people's work, but it's about first building the discernment within. So that's where my other, my other works come in about knowing the self and being able to trust that inner voice to differentiate between the voice of our fears and the song of our soul, right? Our truth versus our limitations. And once you have that piece to be able to lead yourself through the series of encounters that build upon each other, that bring us into connection and relationship in an authentic way. So that's, that's my hope there. And then, so that's for people who want that practice, who want to be in relationship. And also I wanted to be able to say, these are the, uh, the sources where we get information about Avalon. This is our understanding of it. And regardless of whether there is a truth of a place that we can dig up and have the archeological evidence for, um, there were holy women and there were priestesses and they were in practice through, you know, through all of these times. And we don't know a lot because the the Celts were oral, but there were observations and there's other ways of, if, uh, you know, of the Romans and there's other ways of knowing. And so let's pull all of that together. This is what sacred women did. This was their function. This is what they were relied upon. How can we take that again and apply that to our service today? So I wanted it to be a resource and also a guide into people's own truth so they can be in connection with the mysteries. Definitely a way to be in connection with the mysteries. I love that idea. And also too, you know, somehow women, you know, here and there we got lost, but we're so powerful, Mm. right? And it is coming all about, you know, it is coming all around again and really recognizing like how powerful these women were behind the figures of King Arthur really were and how that energy comes forward. And now we haven't forgotten. Mm -hmm. We haven't forgotten our energies of the earth. We really haven't. So bringing it into modern day helps us to remember. 
It helps us to dig in and bring that wisdom forward and really understand more and more about like why we are called to this work, why we are having these energies that really connect us deep and not knowing why and thinking, oh, you know, am I making this up? So it gives us more of that resource. I love that. I love that concept of just really knowing that truth, mm-hmm. really recognizing that holiness within us and how we can connect at a deeper level. And I think the mists are lifting. Would you agree? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Avalon is in the world again. I mean, Avalon is within us. And I think it's our work. Anyone who is drawn to that energy, it's a place of healing. It's a place of empowerment. It's a place of um, of, of sovereignty. And I think that those are the things that it's calling for us to bring into the forefront, to bring into our own consciousness, a place of holy wholeness. Holy wholeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Holy wholeness. <laughs> I think we need it, mm-hmm. you know, to be reminded, to have the energy, to have that creative process come forward again, yes. and the power, the power that is within us mm-hmm. to create those spaces. And like you said, really that relationship within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This fast paced society, we have to slow down and we have to find ways in which to do it. You know, I I, I know for me how important it is for me to slow down and sometimes go, like, oh, it's supposed to be busy. Take a breath. No, just sit. Just appreciate Mother Earth, especially this time of year with everything Mm -hmm. blooming and opening up. You know, I go outside and, you know, I kind of laugh because outside I have all the little divas and I'm talking to the spirit, you know. Then I come back in. It's like, I need to bring that energy in Mm. because I can go outside and in five seconds transform my energy. Mm. So important. So important to have that connection Mm -hmm. in the home as well. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. So where would you like uh, me to send people to find your work and your book? And tell us what's going on. So, yeah. So, thank you. Uh, so, I work a lot in the Welsh tradition. So, a lot of my contact is in... So, Innes Avalon is the Welsh Y-N-Y-S-A-F-A-L-L-O-N. Or my name, jennatellandrew.com. That's my website. And then I've got all of my contact. I'm on most of the, the social media things. Um, what's going on? Well, you know, the Sister of Avalon, we have such a rich bunch of offerings. We have our ninefold festival. It's an in-person festival. We're back in person for the first time this year since COVID. We went uh, virtual. We also have virtual conference every year in the spring and April. So our ninefold is in the fall. It's in September. So we are open for registration and that's in Massachusetts. But we have people coming from all over and uh, yeah, just check us out. We have a lot of different offerings and uh, a beautiful community and uh, and we're, um, we're very inclusive. You know, all women are welcome to the sisterhood all women are welcome to all of our events and a lot of our online offerings through the coracle which is another thing that we do is open to anyone so it you know there's no there's no gender um uh, requirements <laughs> to attend. how exciting to open mm-hmm. all that energy up for sure yeah now you also have some oracle cards right mm-hmm. yeah the avalonian tell us oracle about those. i love oracles in the tarot i'm a tarot reader mm-hmm. but tell us about those as well well yeah me too tarot has been a beautiful enriching part of my life and uh, i felt called really early to create an Avalonian tarot actually was my first first you know intention and so a lot of it really you know connected and then and then some of them were kind of like shoehorns and and I got to the point where I felt like you know this isn't um honoring either of these systems and so I just went with the flow so for me the Avalonian oracle is a reflection not only you know the, the powerful symbols of the Avalonian tradition but it is also um a, a, a way of it, it is all the layers, all of the all of the aspects of the tradition in a visual deck. So not only is can it be used for divination, can it be used for self reflection, but it, also for meditation. Everything is encoded in those cards. Um, and uh, 
Yeah. And I work with a wonderful artist, Emily Bruner. So, you know, I, I describe the cards, she render them in her, in her lovely art. And uh, yeah, we have a beautiful deck out from Schiffer books. Um, the book itself is quite big. It's 144 pages. So it's not one of those little flimsy books. It's, it's just chock full of information. So another good resource for people, but it's, yeah. if you're visual, that's, that's a really great way to learn the tradition. Yeah, I'm visual. I love the cards. I love the ability to work with them as well. And you also sing, you have voice. Yes, yes. So there's part of me that's, you know, as I said earlier, I, I never intended to be, you know, to start an organization. I always saw myself down, you know, that uh, scholastic kind of bardic path. So and for me, I'm getting back to that piece, you know, to do the the singing, to learn the, um, uh, you know, the traditional poetry forms so you know some of the traditional musical ways of being and so yeah i've been um, i've been getting a little bit back to that and to see the ways of service through music to touch people in that way so that's been um the bring the awen we call it which is the divine inspiration that comes from the vessel of sovereignty so to bring that through in a different way so thank you for yeah. bringing that up <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love all of it. I really mm -hmm. do. And to just have such talent come forward and at a time in humanity mm -hmm. that is just so needed. Mm -hmm. We have to get out of the old way of thinking. We're also caught in those constraints, mm -hmm. right? And having new ways to open up and to bring the wisdom, because I think we've all traveled through Avalon in some form or another. So to bring this wisdom forward helps us to open up, really does. So needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as I go to close, I do always love to come back and ask this question. We've kind of talked about it, but just to leave us in the last uplifting thought, how would you say that the work that you're doing right now with these teachings of Avalon can help to empower the spirit right now? I think that it is a reflection of the idea that we have been gifted with desires, with 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 aspirations, with um uh, things that motivate us in the world, things we want to accomplish. And I think that a lot of people pull back on them, either because they've been told that that's a ridiculous thing to want to do, or you could never attain that. But I think that uh, we need to step into those places where we are gifted, where we uh, where we feel passion, because I think these are the uh, impulses that the divine has placed within us for us to fulfill those Things so that we can be their hands in the world. I really believe that the work that we do, uh, when we are connected to the divine, that inspiration comes through us and we become co-creators of the world. And whether that's through um, song or through scholarship or through hearth and home or through activism or through healing in all of the different modalities or any other way to follow those impulses, to go where we, I like to say, to go where the awen flows, where the inspiration flows, because you were given those gifts for a reason. Even perhaps you're not going to be a diva singing on the stage of the, uh, you know, the Metropolitan Opera, but perhaps your song can uplift people in different places in different ways. Like to think about the ways in which you can still manifest that without, you know, going to the ultimate manifestation of it. Um, but I think it's so important for us to be who we're meant to be. And, and that's been my my blessing of service is to find ways to present tools to create spaces where people feel like they can step into the person that they're meant to be to discover it and to feel supported in manifesting it so that would be my thing to follow that follow that yeah a passion because it's it's got a purpose it's not just self-serving i think it serves the collective when we when we you know it's planted there for a reason that's that those are my thoughts yeah yeah, I agree. We mm -hmm. are gifted and it is time that we step into these gifts and really open up to that deeper part, that sovereign part of us mm -hmm. and help us in this world to shift 
into a better life, a better path, more compassion and love for each other. And let's use our imagination. Let's use this ancient wisdom and bring it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the gifts that you are bringing forward. So inspiring. Thank you, Terry. Blessings. And thank you for having me so much. I've loved, I've loved chatting with you here today. I have to, to your spirit. Namaste. Many blessings. Yes. Live your gifts. There are so many ways to be in sacred service. Find your sovereignty. Create your home with a sacred heart that connects with the divine feminine that is rising. Check out Jenna's books and her offerings and reach out if you are ready to begin learning spiritual tools for your path. Schedule your complimentary spiritual makeover call with me. The time is now. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Terri Ann Hyman, to your spirit. Namaste.